Wake up! Wake up! Mike Mulligan. Bears, 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 bears. Football, football, football. You know what? I'd like to say you're wrong, Molly, but you're not wrong very often. David Haw. That was one of the best questions you've ever asked. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to get an answer just as good. Chicago Sports Talk for your morning on 670 The Score. Vucevic at the top of the key. Oh, Bad no. pass again. Three straight turnovers for the Bulls. Rozier to the rim and I up and go with the left hand. Timeout, Billy Donovan. And just like that, the Bulls have squandered a 10-point third quarter lead. And we are tied at 71. Ball jacks up a left side. Three good. <laughs> and this ball game is over. The Charlotte Hornets return home from a four-game road trip and beat the Bulls here in North Carolina. Wow. 111 to 96. No sense of urgency. Lack of intensity. So I'm going to ask the question, who does this team think they are? Start your mornings with Mully and Haw. 5.30 till 10 a.m. Balls on 6.70 the score. This is a punch to the gut. Let's go. Mully and Haw, Chicago's. Sports Radio 670, the score. We have the great man himself, the ginger hair genius, Mr. Zach Zaidman, filling in this morning. What a delight, Zach. What a joy. What a privilege. How are you this morning, buddy? I promise you, Molly, and I'm doing great, and thank you so much for asking. I promise you, I'm giving you full effort, full intensity. I'm coming with a sense of urgency this morning, my friend. I personally am kind of going to fade out in the 9 o'clock hour, and you will have to double <laughs> me up as I fall apart. It's what I do. How about the Bulls? I, I mean, I, I, I've i seen this movie before, and I've walked out on it. This, this is – you know, I find it personally insulting when you kind of kind of stay up to watch a game because you're doing the morning show, and that's the effort you get. <laughs> well, help me understand this, because you covered the greatest Bulls teams that anyone will ever see during the Jordan era. And to me, effort, energy, passion. I know that when you're learning how to play the game of basketball, you get told those things that it, it doesn't cost you anything to, yeah. to give – all-out effort. But to me, when you get to the professional level, all-out effort is a skill. It is It is just as important as being able to hit step-back jumpers, hit threes, which the Bulls can't do. And if we keep saying over and over and over again that this team lacks energy, that this team doesn't yep. have the kind of effort that you need on a consistent basis, maybe this team isn't good enough. Well, I... I think that the problem becomes, and, and we talked to Will Purdue earlier in the week, and he mentioned it. It's now on the front page of the scouting report, right? Mm-hmm. If if you if you stay with them, they will eventually lead you to victory. That that's got to be written on the front page of the scouting report. You get a breakdown of every team, and basically, Bulls gonna quit is sort of the. Uh, uh, the statement that you get. I don't know why. I, honest to God, can't figure out. I mean, we know they can't shoot. That, that's that been a big problem. The three-pointers, everybody in the league has to be able to hit a three to play in the NBA these days, except apparently the Bulls. So when they put up, what what, what were they from, from three-point range? It was four of 25, something like that. I think they shot 16%, right? 16%. I mean, Zach, come on now. What what are we doing? What's the point of the exercise? Uh, that's bad, but you're right. It's the energy. It's the it's the kind of what happens at the end of games. It it it's the failure to beat the teams you're supposed to. Last year we talked forever about oh they can't beat the good teams. Oh they can't beat the good. That's not the problem this year. They can't in the NBA. You it's an it's an 82 game slate. And you have to be better than a lot of teams, and you have to beat the teams you're better than. And when that's not the case, when you can't do that, when you lose a game like they did yesterday, it's just it's it, it's just deflating. It, it just it takes something out of you. And again, you know whether everybody is aware or not, 
the trade deadline is February 9th. That is creeping up on them. And at this point, how can they not make a move? At this point, you know, you thought, okay, they're going to, you know, people were actually saying that Boston, you know, this is all it takes. Just put it together and you're going to be Boston from last year. No, they're not. No. And, and unfortunately, we've seen this before. You're right. I, I think the biggest problem is, and you can't just discount it and say, well, you know, they have difficulty shooting from three. You can't win in today's NBA. You can't win at any level of college basketball, at any level of high school basketball, and any level at the professional ranks, whether it's the NBA, Europe, whatever. You cannot win consistently unless you can consistently drain threes. It's a part of the game today. Yeah, It's like asking a team in baseball to consistently win without the ability to hit the home run. Yeah, you can win some games here and there playing small ball. And yeah, you can do it over a a short span of of a playoff series. But over the course of a season, you need the way the game is played today. It's designed to reward the teams that knock it down from three-point territory. And the Bulls simply can't do that. So part of the issue is when we talk about effort, energy, passion, spirit, whatever you want to call it, urgency, the reason we keep bringing that up is because they don't have enough offensive firepower to overcompensate for their right. inability to right. score in bunches. And and that's the problem. And that's why we've seen so many of these losses where they'll have a big lead against a bad team. They led by 10 in, yeah. in the third quarter of this game against the Hornets. Right. And then I think, I might be wrong on this, but it was a 50-25 to 25 run, something along those lines, by the Hornets down the stretch to close out the game and win. I mean, come on. Oh it's 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 awful. It's awful. And, um, you know, Will Purdue had some interesting things to say after the game on uh, NBC Sports Chicago. So I, I wrote some things down during the game. No sense of urgency. Lack of intensity. So I'm going to ask the question, who does this team think they are? I was about to say, how is that the case? How can you because trap games and urgency shouldn't come into play when you when your record is, is what it is? It was. It's not like you're. It's not like you're 34 and 14, right. and you're just you know you're just going to let Charlotte hang around, and then you're going to tighten the screws, and you're going to win the game. You, you finally got a lead. You never toyed with them. Their confidence continued to grow throughout the game. And then they started to finally make some shots after missing 18 straight threes. <laughs> and you lose another game you should win. But my point is, I'm curious. I'd like to hear these guys' explanation of who do they think they are? What type of team do they think they are? Do they think that uh, we're all right, man, we'll just turn it on. We'll be Well, in case you don't know, if the season ended today, I know this is a, a statement, but you ain't in the playoffs. Now, I mean, again, being in the play-in was not the goal before the year began. Nonetheless, you got to be in the play-in, right? You, you got to be in the play-in playoff as opposed to where they are right now, which is tied for 10th place with Washington, who owns the tiebreaker. So Will is absolutely right. I like that. Who do they think they are? Because it's it, I, I don't know that we know who they are. And I don't know if they have an inflated opinion of themselves or if they, you know, when you miss that many threes in a row, just stop taking them. I, I mean, I'm just saying, you, you'd like to knock those shots down or one of them. But, okay, play the mid-range game, whatever. Don't Don't just – how do you get outscored 34-17 doubled up in the fourth quarter? It's it's pathetic. Well, what you're seeing, Mully, is when they struggle offensively, it, it gets taken out on the defensive end. Right. And right. and that's that's been a big problem. And it's not when you say we don't know who they are, I think we have a, a pretty good idea of what they've been since the second half of last season. I think in our minds, we think that that team that we saw in the first half of last year, 
that was explosive and winning and and hitting these clutch jump shots to win these games that they've lost a whole bunch of this year. We keep thinking that that's the real Bulls team. When the real Bulls team is the team that we saw fade down the stretch of last season and the team that we've seen this season. And it's hard to come to that realization. But if we're objective about it, that's who the Bulls are. And there isn't enough firepower to take advantage of what DeMar DeRozan can do. He's an outstanding player taking it to the basket and with the mid-range game. But they don't have the capability to make teams pay for what he can do because it's poorly constructed. They don't have the perimeter shooting to open the floor. And yeah, they, and that's they don't the have issue. Any shooting. Yeah, they they don't they just you're so right. And and the Bulls are at the Magic on Saturday night, the pregame right here on the score at 5:45. The Bulls have only 6 games left before the trade deadline. So that's, what do you do? Uh, I I don't know. I I that is a question for um I mean, I I know you can't keep going like this. Well, if if you can't keep going like this, so here here are the options, the realistic right. options right. that they're talking about behind closed doors. The person that's you know they've they've mortgaged the future with the draft picks, right, to yes. create the team that they have right now. Right. So, the guy that's going to bring you back the most is the guy no one wants to trade outside of that building, right, in Demar Derozan. But if you trade him, that's it. There's no play in. That's it. you're you're now right rebuilding, you're giving up on the season, and you're moving forward in a different direction. Yeah, and there's, I, I mean, I, I, I guess you got to do that. I guess this didn't work. Um, you know, Lonzo Ball, whatever you want to, whatever you want to blame, or whomever you want to blame. I mean, it's a big loss. It's a problem. It's a big loss not having Lonzo Ball because this really started. Yeah. Remember when I talked about the the tail of end of the second half last year and, and yes. this year? It, it coincides. With his exactly. Injury. Yeah. But, you know, he suffers that injury. And at the time, we thought he'd be back for the playoffs. Playoffs. And uh, instead, obviously, he's still out. That is a very, that is a very long time. I mean, you know. When this season began, the talk was, well, before Christmas. Oh, you know what? It's going to be after Christmas. I bet you it's going to be after January 1st. Well, it's just it, – it's what's the point now? I mean, it, you're going to shut them down, and then what? If you, if you don't make them – if you make some moves, then what's the point? And if you don't, what are you doing? It, they are in. They are in no man's land. They are really in a bad position. Because no even even if you add Lonzo Ball to the mix, at, playing at an extremely high level, which is unrealistic to think. I mean, he's going to have to ease his way back in. That's if he can get back on the court anytime soon. You're not going to get the kind of production that you saw from him, at least initially, last year when he was healthy. It's going to take a while to get back to that level, and. If, if he's able to get back to that level at all, which is a, a realistic question to ask based on how long he's been out with this injury. So, again, it doesn't change the fact that they can't hit from the perimeter. And if the issue, as it has been, I, th- I think most people would agree, in addition to the inability to knock down three-point shots, if, if you say that this team doesn't have urgency and passion, that's not something you can work on in practice. It has to show up in games. It has to be part of your DNA. It is not. And it's not coming from this group, which means you have to go outside to infuse this team with the kind of energy, passion, spirit that you need in order to compete to win. And if you do that, then you're breaking up what is good about this team. Well, I mean, I understand that idea, but as you say – there, uh, there is a, there is a little problem going on. There's a, something rotten in the state of Denmark, and Will Purdue addressed that yesterday too. It's a lack of mental toughness, period. But how do you solve that in a season? Or how do you even turn it around they, so much so no, that no, the no. talent starts? To you know play? how you solve that? You start making trades. Because I think the one thing I would like to see is somebody have the you know what to step up and say, well, when Lonzo comes back, well, we we'll be all right. Because that person needs to be decked. (laughs) 
That's beautiful. That is beautiful. Uh, what's going on? Why do we have no ice? When Lonzo, whap! I just love yeah, that but, idea. But it's true. It, it's more, and, and I don't, I don't recommend decking people because of their sports. No, opinions. no, no. But no, it's pretty I, funny. I, I do think that this notion that this one guy is going to change the entire complex. It's not like we're talking about adding LeBron James to the mix here or Steph Curry. Right. Exactly. You, you know, and yes. and I, I'm not, I'm not knocking Lonzo Ball. I think he's a very talented player, and the Bulls clearly miss him. But his return isn't turning this team into one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. It's that simple. It's yeah. a flawed it's a flawed yeah. team. The makeup of this team is flawed. The inability to complement each other. What, what what their best player does well, they don't take advantage of. That's a problem. You know, the other thing is they if you played through Vooch, that seems to work. And they can do that for a little while, but they can't do it when it matters. They they kind of get away from that as the game goes on, and uh, and they fall apart like far too often as a result of all that. They have too many players who do the same things. They have too many players who because when you think of when you think of the NBA, it's all about spacing, right? The best teams yes. are able to space yes. the floor and and make you work defensively and. They hurt you when you overcompensate to try and stop one area. What the Bulls don't have is the ability to space the floor because their best players operate in the same area. That's why there's this constant tension between DeRozan and Fooch and Zach, and, and you can't solve it by changing X's and O's. You solve it by adding someone who can consistently knock it down from the perimeter. And so when you say, yeah, you got to make trades, well, to get what they need, you're going to have to give up what makes them good. That's yeah, a, problem. a problem. It's a big problem. But but clearly it's not working. And, you know, if somebody ste- steps up and mentions Lonzo Ball, you know what happens. So that's not good either. Um, we got a lot to get to. We've mm-hmm. we got a big show. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to talk football with our guy, Big Z. I don't know how closely you are monitoring the uh, the championship Sunday stuff, but I just find it phenomenal. I'm very excited about both of these games, and I really can't wait. I, I think it's going to be just a glorious day uh, as we uh, as we get ready for championship Sunday, and then we find out who's in the Super Bowl, and we start breaking that game down going to be really fun really good stuff um the the eagles favored by a field goal right now the total is 46 and a half that is the first game kicks off at two o'clock and then of course the uh the Bengals are at the Chiefs, and that's going to be a lot of fun that uh chiefs now favored by a point that that point spread is going back and forth as everyone has kind of monitored the uh, the ankle injury of one Patrick Mahomes, and we should uh, we should let you know the championship Sunday is here on the score. Westwood One brings you the AFC and the NFC championship games live, no matter where you are. Just go to the Odyssey app, listen to the Niners, the Eagles, the Bengals, the Chiefs on six seventy. The score free on the Odyssey app. Coverage starts at it. Uh, the coverage starts at 1 o'clock, so the first game kicks off at 2, and that's Sunday. Download the Odyssey app today. Kevin Harlan and Ian Eagle do such a terrific oh, job calling phenomenal. those games, so you'll hear them Sunday. I, I think what stands out to – did you ask me if I'm following what, what's I happening? I said I didn't know how closely you were monitoring I, with every With every ounce yes. of my being, it's football, yeah. my friend. And oh, I think I the quarterbacking Great. play – the quarterbacking play from these four teams has been unbelievable. I know we've thrown a, a, a victory parade because people think the Bears have the answer at quarterback. Mm-hmm. You look at how far away the Bears are from an offensive standpoint, from a quarterbacking standpoint, based on the way all four of these quarterbacks have played, not just in the playoffs, but this season. And, yeah, I'm talking about the NFC, too, where Brock Purdy has played on an extremely high level you know what Jalen Hurts has done all year? Yeah, Jalen Hurts is the one you want to monitor because that's 
you know, what you hope Justin Fields is going to have happen, right? You hope he's going to have that breakthrough in this offseason, working with Luke Getze for the for the second year in a row, and you hope that the passing game is coming a la the uh, – now all they need is about 11 Pro Bowlers. Right. Well, that's the problem. I mean, yeah. I, we'll save this for later on in the show, but I have a lot yeah. of thoughts on, on how far away the Bears are from being what the Eagles are, what you're going to be watching on Sunday. And they may not even win. I, you know, I, yeah. I think San Francisco well, can win that game. Yeah, I, I think it's really interesting. I, I don't argue with you. This is the first road playoff game for Brock Purdy. I don't know if that changes anything or if uh, the, the, uh, the math of the thing changes, but this is indeed the first road playoff game for the, uh, the rookie quarterback. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I, I thought it, it was interesting. I, I was um, – who was I watching? Um, Greg Cosell, who does a really good job mm-hmm. on the uh, NFL Network, and he was just breaking down some of the little things that are starting to drift into Brock Purdy's game as he's uh, advancing here. No, no rookie has ever – no rookie quarterback has ever been to the Super Bowl as the starter and – as a result, none have ever won the Super Bowl. So it'll be very interesting if this great team around Brock Purdy, if he – I mean, he, listen, that guy is doing an amazing job of kind of not making the negative play. I don't know how many positive plays he's making. I don't know how much he's leaving on the field, but he does not give the ball away, and that has been the key. Um, they got a fierce pass rush too. So they're going to get to him. There's really little doubt about that. No matter how quickly you get rid of the ball, no matter if if uh, your offense is based on those long handoffs, I, I just think he's a fascinating guy to watch. Hurts is – it's all on him. It, it comes down to him. So is he under more pressure or is, the, or is the rookie? We talked about that a little bit. Joe Burrow, you know, thanks to your teammates, Burrowhead Stadium, what are you doing? Keep your trap shut. Just go in there and win. You don't have to trash talk before you do so. So we'll get into all of that. These are the stories of the day. We're going to pick them apart. We're going to talk them through. We've got the great man himself, the ginger-haired genius. We're going to have a lot of fun this morning, and we'll start with the pick six next, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 of the score. It's Pick 6 with Mully and Haw, where we debate the top six sports stories of the day and then open it up to you, the Chicago sports fan. Call us at 312-644-6767, or you can tweet your thoughts at Mully Haw. Pick 6 with Mully and Haw starts now. Are you done with the Bulls after yet another disappointing loss to a beatable team? I'm on the verge of being done. I mean, I'm actually contemplating not watching Saturday's game, and I love watching the Bulls. I just feel like, really? I'm going to build my night around that game, and I'm going to make sure I'm sitting in front. I'll tape it. I'll watch it later, or I'll zip through it. I've seen them play. I've seen the same game over and over, and it doesn't end well. Uh, It's just so disappointing. It's – Wake me up when the trade deadline hits and they do something. I'm not. I'm not having fun watching this team. We we had this kind of. We deluded ourselves into thinking that perhaps, uh, with the performance in Paris, perhaps with the trip and the visit to uh, to see the Eiffel Tower, that some magic was going to kind of rub off on them. Yeah, not so much. Not so much. You know, we'll always have Paris, but that's about it. Mully, can I join you on the verge of being done with with the yeah. Bulls? Can can we all? How how Plenty big of, of a room. how big is that bandwagon? A, I guess how big a, is the how big is the is the back bed of the truck of the verge it, of being done? It's a big ledge, but there's steep fall. It's a steep fall. Yeah, it's really disappointing, and no doubt, and gut punch, as Chuck has said, on six seventy the score. Oh no! Um, you know, Chuck will keep it exciting, so that's a reason to to listen. Um, and then after they lose. It's kind of like, you know, Mully, you do the Bears post-game shows, and I think Ooh. listening to post-game shows, and I think you've said this off the air, on the air too, like, the fans and the passion is always better when they lose. Huh. You know, it's a more passionate type of a of a broadcast. And unfortunately, I would say the same thing with the Bulls 
post-game show on NBC Sports Chicago that's much must-watch TV when they lose. I mean, will Purdue take a bow? I, I mean, yeah. he said what we great. were all thinking last yeah. night. I think we're done if we think that the Bulls can be a playoff team, right? And even if they do sneak into the playoffs, what can they possibly do to create havoc if they get to the postseason? Playoffs? I, I just, I, I think from that standpoint, we're done with the Bulls. Are you done watching them or listening to them? No, because we're Chicago. We're as passionate a sports city as there is in the world, not just America, in the world. So we always watch and listen to our teams, even when they stink. And I I think what's disappointing is the fact that we expected more from this team, but it turns out what we saw during the first half of last season was the mirage, the aberration. What they are is what we saw during the second half of last year, the disappointing playoffs, and what we've seen throughout this season. Unfortunately, they're a poorly constructed team to do the things that we thought they could do before the season started. You know, that's a really good question. Are you pleased with the White Sox having picked up the multi-year option on Jason Benetti, who is entering his eighth season and announced a multi-year extension with Steve Stone, who is entering his 16th season in the White Sox broadcast booth? I'm very happy for both those guys because Jason and Stoney are terrific people. But I have to be honest with you, I, I I don't really have any kind of rooting interest in what they're doing because I'm a little busy when the White Sox are playing during the summer. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the time, Zach, you're, you're, you're on the radio here on the score at the same time that the Sox game is on. I, I think this is news that's good for White Sox fans. I think White Sox fans probably needed some good news. Um, Steve Stone is a great teammate of ours here at the score contributor to this very show jason benetti is a friend of the station i believe jason's going to be on this afternoon with danny parkins i'm not sure of a time but if there is a time we'll promote it but i know they were talking yesterday and he will be on the score later today uh jason's very good at what he does he's become a a big time uh national broadcaster as well i enjoy his work um talking calling college games and uh both football and basketball, and now he's starting to get some uh, NFL assignments as well. So um, this is good news for the White Sox. I don't see anything bad about this, and I think it's something they needed to get done. Yeah, I'm glad they got it done. I, I mean, you know, we we know how great Steve Stone is. Jason Benetti and Stoney have a, a great broadcast. I, it's interesting. When you, when you watch uh, games with someone, it's like you're watching the game with them. They become like, hey, okay, guys, we're going to sit down. We're going to watch this game together yet again. You develop a, a real kind of uh, kinship with the people that you, uh, that you watch the game with. I, I think that, um, Zach, you do a wonderful job on the radio broadcast. I got to tell you, that broadcast here on the store is one of the best in the country. And I think, I think about it all the time. You know, we know you got a Hall of Famer. Uh, leading the way we know that the coom dog is not just a, a hall of fame uh, uh he's a hall of fame human that's a great guy he is a wonderful man to to hear and to to talk to and zach you too i feel like a sense of pride when i hear you on that broadcast I, honest to god i i just i i'm like i know that guy and look how well he's doing it's a wonderful thing to have a rooting interest and i think that that, that happens in baseball more than any other sport, and it's probably because of the number of games. But I'm sure, Zach, you get approached all the time from people that, you know, know you through your laugh, through that broadcast, through, you know, the relationship they have with you just driving in the car. The kind words are very much appreciated. You know what's interesting about this city? How lucky are we in, in all the sports to have some of the best play-by-play announcers, not just in in this city, but in the country. I mean, when you talk about Jason and Len and Stoney and DJ and Pat right. and Ron and Boog and JD and Chuck and Bill and Adam and Stacy, Jeff oh, and Tom. I mean, there, there's true. a lot of talent in this city. Yeah, it's great. Great question. That's the voice of Joe Fortenbaugh. Get out the pen and paper. He'll be here with you guys at 744 talking about Championship Sunday. 
Do you like seeing Frank Reich hired in Carolina as the head coach after being something of a scapegoat with the Colts? Reich, who was the first starting quarterback of the Panthers back in 95, had five different opening day starters in five years with the Colts and dealt with a fairly unorthodox owner. Does he deserve another shot? What about Steve Wilkes, who did a terrific job as an interim coach when Matt Rule was let go? Yeah, I, I feel bad for uh, for Steve Wilkes, and and uh, obviously he was here. So you you know you anybody that was here, you kind of follow and you hope for the best for him. Um, but I really like Frank Wright getting another shot because what a what an awful statistic! Five years, five different starting quarterbacks. That is how you build in anything, right? I don't think I don't think he's responsible for that, and. Uh, you know, it's just a very difficult position to be in, and clearly he was he was the scapegoat, and they got rid of him. And I didn't I didn't believe that uh, that he was a particularly bad coach. And 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 once they hired his replacement, I believed he was a particularly good coach because his replacement made him appear to be. So um, Steve Wilkes got a raw deal because he did do a terrific job, and he was in the final. What was it? it was him. And uh, and Frank Reich and Kellen Moore, I believe. So, I hope that um, that that uh, Steve Wilkes gets another job because he's a good coach. Um, but they wanted to get a big name guy. They wanted to get someone they felt they could trust after Matt Rule. That was a disaster. You know, they brought him in, and they thought he was just going to take over the uh, NFL kind of uh, Jimmy style. Not happening. And. Uh, and here's hoping that, you know, they, they get the workmanlike uh, roll-up-the-sleeves performance that Frank Reich is known for. Good for Frank Reich. I think uh, scapegoat is used in the question. I think that's a very good word. I think he was the scapegoat. And, Mully, as you said, very hard to get anything going when you got five different opening day starters at quarterback. Um, I feel bad for Steve Wilkes. Hopefully yeah. he gets another opportunity. Listen, I think anybody that has a defensive coordinator opening would be silly not to bring Steve Wilkes in. Um, but the, this league is back to offense, 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 offense. And one of the things that you question right now with the Bears head coach is whether or not that's the right head coach being on the defensive side of the ball. Look at the head coaches right now in the final four. They're all offense, right? All four head coaches are offensive head coaches. But well, I the only drag one the final eight was was you one, know, he got right. Eliminated. There was just there was just one right, right? and, and That's he was right. eliminated. That's right. That's so the part is, it's all about the Bears with us here, you know, especially with me. I'll, I'll I'll not say here, but I'll say me and that number one pick. So, do the Panthers want to start fresh at quarterback? Do they want one of these top two, arguably three guys? Because one of the trade scenarios with it was that the Panthers were coming up to the Bears to get the kid from Kentucky at the number one pick or when you bring in a guy like Frank Reich, does he put hands on Sam Darnold and they go that route because then they're not, it doesn't make the bears quarterback pick as valuable. So if they're all in on a quarterback that makes that number one pick even more valuable than it already is. There are several different layers to the actual question that was posed here. Steve Wilkes got a raw deal. It's the second time in his head coaching career that he's gotten a raw deal. He was fired after one season in Arizona and then the Cardinals gave a mega deal to a college coach that failed and was just let go and is somewhere in Thailand. And then he took over. Matt Rule, yeah, he had some quarterback issues of his own making because he made some poor decisions in terms of the people that he acquired. So he got kicked out after a mega deal. Steve Wilkes comes in and does significantly better with the same core that Rule couldn't win with and the Panthers were on the verge of making the playoffs in one of the worst divisions in football. And he gets let go for Frank Reich. Now, do I think it's a smart move to hire an offensive head coach? Yes, and here's why. There are 10 offensive coordinator openings this offseason. Nathaniel Hackett just got one with the Jets. But the major problem is it's tough to find good offensive coordinators because the offensive minds are being tapped as the head coaches in this league. So I understand what the Panthers are thinking. And if you're going to draft a quarterback, which in all likelihood they will because they need one, you want to have a guy who is a proven 
developer of quarterbacks, and that's what Frank Reich has been throughout the course of his career, both as a coordinator and as a head coach. But it doesn't take away from the fact that Steve Wilkes got a raw deal. And when you look at some of the guys who are this, – this is not a Mark Tressman situation where it took – Two years of awful futility and terrible leadership to get a guy fired. You look at the way Wilkes has now been treated in two different spots. Lovey Smith, one year in Houston without any talent. One year and gets fired after an African-American coach got one year before him and got fired. Lovey Smith gets a raw deal in Tampa Bay. I, I, I don't think this is something we can ignore, and I think it's an issue that the NFL has to address. But that being said... I, I do understand why the Panthers at this particular time decided to go with an offensive-minded head coach. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a big question. Was it wise for Bengals cornerback Mike Hilton to rename Casey's Arrowhead Stadium Burrowhead? What did you make of the not-so-injured Patrick Mahomes' response in an appearance on 610 Sports in Kansas City? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, the trash talk is just kind of part of the game, man. Uh, I know our guys will be ready to go, and I'm glad that we get to play at Arrowhead and uh, see what happens. Well, we'll see what happens. How about Travis Kelsey's reaction to the uh, Burrowhead comment? They're throwing, they're throwing a lot of bullets and board material out there, man. All right. So, was it wise for quarterback Mike Hilton to rename Arrowhead Burrowhead? <laughs> did Did anyone get upset in this city when the Bears? put out a a Super Bowl video before they won the championship during the 85 season? No. Everyone enjoyed it. When you have a quarterback like Joe Burrow, can you blame the Bengals for feeling invincible? This guy is unbelievable. He's 3-0 against the Chiefs in his career. And until Kansas City beats Cincinnati... Yeah, the Bengals are going to continue to talk smack. That's who they are. The reason that they've been able to overcome all their perceived slights is because they they are a confident bunch. They felt disrespected that they didn't have a neutral site game last week in Buffalo because they deserved one. Just like what would have happened if Buffalo had beaten Cincinnati last weekend. There would have been a neutral site game this week between the Bills and the Chiefs. I understand why the Bengals are talking smack. I like I like to act like I've been there before, but this is who the Bengals are. The, the reason that they are who they are is because of their personalities. Let them shine. It's good for the game. I'm going to agree with Zach. It's good for the game. It's good for what we do. It's a lot of fun. That's that's. There's no doubt about that. About are the Chiefs going to play harder? Well, but here's what's interesting. I, no, no. to answer your question, I don't think they're going to play any harder because of it. But Chiefs linebacker Willie Gay was asked in the open locker room portion of Thursday's practice, what impresses you about the Bengals' offense? And nonchalantly, nothing. Okay? so <laughs> He's 0-3 against them. Right? You know, yeah. um, right. So the, the, the war of words continues. So now there's a little bit of bulletin board material going from the Chiefs over to the Bengals. This is going to be one heck of a game. It's going to be super-duper competitive, and I can't wait to watch it. I uh, I got to tell you, I mean, I, I totally agree. You want to shut someone up, shut them up, okay? There's like a thing going on in, in international soccer where one of the Brazilian players is dancing, and he's being threatened. You dance. You score a goal and dance over here. We're coming after you. <laughs> Stop them from scoring. You know, you want to you wanna stop someone from talking trash? Don't lose to them. I, I think what you said is the absolute point, Zach. You're not going to play hard. You're in the AFC championship game. You're going to give it everything you have. It's not like, oh, no, they've they've awakened the sleeping giant. <laughs> now they're going to be A trip to the Super Bowl is exactly, on the line. Exactly, exactly. So talk whatever you want. Remind them. We own you. There's no problem with that. I, I think it's awesome. I love the bad blood between the two teams. I love the whole quarterback uh, square off and the fact that, uh, what what is it again, 26 to 6, that the, that the uh, Bengals have outscored the Chiefs in the fourth quarter in overtime. They've trailed in all these games, but they've come back and won three in a row with Joe Burrow. You go, Mike Hilton. Talk your Talk your <laughs> rear end off. I love it. Pick six. 
All right. Unlike Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes in the AFC side, both the 49ers running backs, Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell, have missed practice week ahead of the NFC Championship game. In addition, wide receiver Debo Samuel's got an ankle. He's a great weapon also in the running game. He missed Wednesday, limited yesterday. Who leads the Niners in rushing, and are they compromised in that area? You know, I really like this question because I think that it, it they are compromised in that area. If Christian McCaffrey has a calf and Elijah Mitchell is playing through a groin injury and you got Debo, who is an unbelievable weapon in the backfield, and he's got an ankle too, then that's going to impact them. Let me tell you something. They're all going to play, and they're all going to do well, and I'll go with uh, – I, I, it's a hard one to pick because they're so good. Elijah Mitchell could be the guy, but I'm going to go with your stars being your stars. I'm going to say it's Christian McCaffrey. I'm, I'm going to predict he has a big game. And I'll tell you something else. The, uh, the, the Philadelphia Eagles, if they have a weakness, it's against the running game. Because remember, they went out in the middle of the season. They got Dominican Sue, and they signed they signed a couple of big guys in the middle of the field because they were struggling against the run. So it'll be really interesting to see if uh, and listen, those guys have to be healthy for San Francisco to win. But I'm going with Christian McCaffrey because your stars have to be your stars. Drop your drawers and get your shot of Toradol and get out there and uh, and run your calf off, son. There you go. Drop the drawers, get the toward all. You know, it's been talked about that one of the best things about this 49ers offense is that they're a bunch of guys that are positionless. I believe that's how yes. people have phrased it. So they've got, as you point out, Molly, a wide receiver who's a great weapon in the running game. You know, I think at the end of the day, it doesn't matter which one of these guys has the most rushing yards. But I do think if the 49ers are looking to go into Philadelphia and win and then advance, they need to win that statistic. They need to have more rushing yards than the Eagles do. Because how do you slow down the Eagles offense? Very simply, you keep them off the field. And you can do that with a running game. So that's going to be, you know, the tone of the game is going to be set early. And that's how you're going to find out how that game is going to go. The Niners have been an outstanding team over the last few years. What has made them explosive and a threat to win the, the championship this year, even with a guy who was known as Mr. Irrelevant just a few months ago as their quarterback, is the fact that they added Christian McCaffrey. With him there, now they're explosive. And they have, when you say positionless, here is what it means in real time. Any of the players that we just mentioned in this question can line up as receivers, can line up as tight ends, can line up as running backs. And it doesn't matter what they're listed at as prior to the game. So if you're playing defense, you have to account for everything these guys can do. And what it does is it creates these incredible one-on-one matchups. And if you have a quarterback who can quickly decipher where the advantage is, as Purdy has done, it, they're almost unbeatable. And Take a look. They have been almost unbeatable. And it doesn't matter if they play at home or on the road because they have the kind of team that can travel anywhere. But these guys, I don't care what the injury report says today. When they line up on Sunday, are they effective? That's what matters. I had a question in my mailbag this week, and it's been a popular question. That's the voice of Brad Biggs, Biggs time, 7 o'clock on the Mully and Haw Show this morning. Okay. Here we go. It's time to make our picks. Who will win the AFC? Who will win the NFC? Can you please also provide the score? And then based on those picks, who are you leaning to in the big game? I think Patrick Mahomes is so special that he can still win games from the pocket, which is why the line is what it is heading into Sunday's game. I just don't believe you can win a game in the pocket exclusively against Cincinnati's defense. And that's why I believe the Bengals will go to 4-0 and against the Chiefs with Joe Burrow as the quarterback. I think this is going to be just a, a football version of a war. I think it'll be a, a low-scoring game somewhere in the 20s. I'm going 24-21 Cincinnati 
to beat Kansas City and go to the Super Bowl representing the AFC. And then in the NFC, I just think the Niners are better than the Eagles. I want to see if Jalen Hurts can be the dual threat that he was for most of the season. I don't think he can be. I don't think he's 100% coming off that injury that he suffered here at Soldier Field. And because of that, I'm going with the 49ers to win that game. And I think that they're going to win that game in another close battle somewhere along the lines of 27 to 24. And I like the Bengals to win the championship with Joe Burrow. They're winning the Super Bowl this year. How about that? Yeah, I'm going to act like Bill Wennington in the background of the basketball games lately. Wow. Um, You'll hear in a second that I'm almost completely opposite of Zach. But we got this note, guys, from our friends over at Circa, and this just shows how tight these guys are going to be. This potentially sets up as only the third time in the history of the championship games that the point spread will be less than three in both games. We had this in 97 when it was Packers, 49ers, and Broncos, Steelers. And again in 82 when it was Cowboys, Washington, and Jets, Dolphins for the AFC and NFC Championship games. And right now we're sitting right there again. Super tight point spreads provided by Circa and um, should lead to Circa uh, competitive games. And no better place to uh, watch any sporting event, but especially the big game than over at Circa. Do yourself a favor, CircaLasVegas.com. All right, we'll start in order of the games being played. I've got the Eagles a 21-17 winner over the 49ers. I think the stage will just be too big for Brock Purdy, and I think he will be the eventual reason why the 49ers can't score enough points in that one. And then in the game that I just can't wait to watch, I've got it Chiefs 30, Bengals 28. But again, super tight with those with those point spreads. Um you know, I see a four-point win and a two-point win. And uh, in the big game, I'm all in on the Chiefs and Mahomes. You know, this is this is easy for me because I'm sticking with the picks I made before the season. So I've got the Chiefs and the Eagles in the Super Bowl. That's what I picked. I'm delighted that I'm this close. They're the both number one seeds, believe it or not. I think the Chiefs win by a point, like 27-26, something like that, in the high 20s but they win by a point, and that's probably a huge mistake. But I picked it, and I'm sticking with it and uh, until I'm proven wrong. I, 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 I like Cincinnati, but I'm going with the Chiefs. I picked the Chiefs. I'm sticking with them. And I got the Eagles. I've been on the Eagles all year long. I think the Eagles are going to win by at least five points, something like 26-21, that kind of thing. I think the Eagles are a really good team. And uh, I think home field advantage matters. And I'm picking, uh, I'm picking the Kelsey Brothers Super Bowl. Wow. And I think the, uh, the younger brother beats the older brother. So if you want to look it up, you'll find out that uh, I'm taking the Chiefs over the Eagles in the Super Bowl. It's just what I did at the beginning of the year, so I get to stick with it. Fun. 312-644-6767. We've got the extra point next. Mully and Haw, the score. E-A-G-A-L-E-S. Set up this extra point. It's time for the extra point with Mully and Haw on 670 The Score. There are still 1,228 days until the opening of the World Cup in North America with the U.S., Canada, and Mexico hosting games. But how do you feel about the changes in the U.S. Soccer Federation with sporting director Ernie Stewart resigning yesterday, local legend Brian McBride departing as the general manager, and coach Greg Berhalter remaining in limbo after his contract has expired. Berhalter is still under investigation over a domestic abuse incident from 1991 reportedly brought to the Federation's attention by the family of player Gia Reina, whose father, U.S. national team legend, Claudio Reina resigned from his role as the director at Austin FC. There's a ton of fallout here. Let me tell you something. This is an extraordinary story. I know no one's paying attention to it and no one cares, but it is going to impact what this looks like in, uh, in 1,228 days. And that is, uh, is fascinating to me. The background here is that, um, Greg Berhalter claimed, you know, he, he benched the kid, Claudia Reyna, in, uh, 
when they were in uh, 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 the, at the World Cup. And as a result, the family, they're, they're all very close. They, he went to college. Uh, uh, Claudia Reyna was the best man at his wedding. And the, his wife, who was also a national team player, Claudia Reyna's wife, went to the U.S. Soccer Federation and told them about this incident that happened in 1991. They had started dating. They went outside a bar, and he kept kicking his girlfriend in the legs. They split up. They got back together. They have a family. I mean, this is a long time ago, but now they're looking into the incident. Berhalter claimed that he was being uh, – that they were, they were uh, trying to uh, – to extort him to get him to play the kid. He claims the kid was, you know, a bad seed. The kid plays in Germany and is a phenomenal player and has had game-winning goals the last two games that they've played. Uh, his father resigned as the sporting director at Austin FC, but he's remaining as, like, a technical advisor. But he obviously is, uh, has lost a lot of ground there. Um, you know, the one that's interesting here locally is Brian McBride. He he was uh, went to Buffalo Grove High School. He was a phenomenal uh, player, became a really good pro, and was the general manager. He had decided to resign in, like, October. He's got other things going on. This is not related to any of the other stuff. So the timing of all of this is really interesting. And the uh, one of the, the board members of the U.S. Soccer Federation told the uh, – New York Times that basically, you know, we need a fresh start, meaning that the coach is going to be launched. So the whole thing is just this incredible soap opera, which uh, I get it. We don't talk about soccer very much, but this is this belongs on on like, you know, the Spanish station as a soap opera. It's phenomenal. Aren't you happy that there's going to be new leadership across the board? Just based on I'm just talking about performance related after what you saw in the last World Cup. Don't you think we can be better as a national soccer team, be more explosive than we were. Meaning the the direction that we took from a tactical standpoint in the World Cup might not have been the best way to go about winning. I'll well, say this, Mullet. Yeah, go ahead. Just, just like you mentioned, soap opera, I was going to answer it this way. Like sands through the hourglass, so are the days <laughs> of our lives. Uh, I cue the music, Brandon Fryer, if we actually had it ready. We don't. Ugh. That's okay because we don't play soap opera music. But th- this is a soap opera, and people will pay attention to soap operas. But as the question states, there are 1,228 days for uh, the USMNT to get their you-know-what straightened out. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting what you, what you say, Zach, because, you know, they they need a goal scorer. That's what they lack, and, and that's teams all over the world. But uh, they don't – you know, this guy used three different center forwards in their four games. Just bizarre. You know, he kept putting – you should have that figured out before you get to a World Cup. Um, but you're right, Dustin. It is it – is, I mean, it's extraordinary – this Claudia Reyna, his wife turned in Greg Burt. She was best friends with the woman that Burt Holder, uh, you know, is married to. And Claudia Reyna was the best man at, at the wedding of the two. So it's it's like these close friends have blown up over this, how he used the, the player. It's like this horrible soccer mom story you know it, it's, it's just, toxic it's, you're right it's it, unbelievable it, it, it's toxic and both burhalter and the reynas should just we don't want you as a part of the the national soccer team anymore because both of you have taken away from what's important it's that simple to me i yeah. I, I think i think we can do better than the the toxic nature between these two families but we need Gio Reyna as a player. That guy, he's like 20 years old or something. He's phenomenal. He plays in Germany, and he will be really good come, you know, 1,228 days. So keep him, and then you can have everyone else leave. How's that? All right. 312-644-6767. It is Mully and Haw at Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 in the score. AFC Championship Week, ready to go. So are the days (laughs) of our lives. Uh, I cue the music, Brandon Fryer. (laughs) Oh, beautiful. 
Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, we've got the great Zach Zaitman filling in this morning. And uh, and I got to ask you, Zach, you know, um, obviously we're talking <laughs> about uh, the playoffs and championship Sunday and everything that's coming down. Are you surprised by Patrick Mahomes' miracle recovery? Are you surprised that uh, – that his ankle is apparently better than ever before. Somehow it got better. Um, I, I mean, it, you know, it's a weird thing. When you hear uh, high ankle sprain, you don't expect a guy to be able to play, but he's out there. It's like they fixed it somehow. And I've, I've watched all this video, and I keep thinking, how is this going to translate when the game begins? I don't know what to think about the injury because, again, I've spent enough time in the National Football League to know that what gets said publicly isn't necessarily everything that is truly wrong with someone's body. You know what I mean? you You don't get teams giving you a full, a true report on what's wrong. You just get the, the body part, right? So the reports were that he had a high ankle sprain, but we have not seen it hamper him, at least during the portions of practice that are open to the media. But I'll say this. If he does have any kind of a high ankle sprain, it takes away the vintage mobility, that that snapshot image that you have in your head of Patrick Mahomes right. creating with his legs. That's gone. Now, what makes him the best quarterback in the National Football League is that he is a definition of a dual threat quarterback because he can work out of the pocket exclusively and burn you. But the reason I'm picking the Bengals to win this game is because while I do think he can be an effective passer, I think in order to beat Cincinnati's defense, you need the dual threat. And last year, the Bengals beat Kansas City on the road and Kansas City had Tyreek Hill. They don't have that kind of explosiveness anymore. They're still awesome, right? The Chiefs are awesome. And you know Andy Reid will come up with a way to to neutralize some of the things that Mahomes can't do because of the injury. So the ball come out faster, and it'll be a little bit of a different kind of offense than, than we're used to from the Chiefs. But ultimately, you take the best quarterback, and the best quarterback in that game because of the injury is Joe Burrow, right? That's the way I usually go. And because of that, I'm picking the Bengals. Yeah, I like that. Um, is Joe Burrow the best quarterback in the league? Maybe that's answered, or I don't know if, if uh, you feel like uh, uh, the, the, uh, the, the Mahomes injury kind of compromises him in terms of that battle. But if, if you beat him again, I mean, he's 3-0 and against him. I think that's a, a worthy conversation. All right, three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. We've got a lot of people that want to check in. We'll start with Miguel. He's on the road. Hey, Miguel. Hey, good morning, guys. I heard in an interview Warren Sapp say that he heard out of Chicago that Chicago is trying to put a package together to trade Justin Fields. And so my my question is this. Draft analysts have said that if Justin Fields was in the draft this year, he'd go number one. And a lot of times I'm hearing them talk about because of his physical attributes, big arm, he can run, uh, accuracy, deep ball, et cetera. But do you think it's possible that Chicago and the front office there is instead looking at, is there a quarterback in this draft that can read and process faster than Fields? And that's what they would draft if they were to trade Fields. You know, we have that audio, Zach, if you want to listen to it. We have uh, um, Warren Sapp. He was on uh, the, the Boone podcast with Brett Boone and Dan Levy. Let's take a listen. What I'm hearing out of Chicago is they're finna package him up, trade him for some other pieces, and then go with the Bryce kid from Alabama. Wow, I did not know that. That's a good That's a good little insight right there. You, oh, you know, I'm, I'm in Florida, and I hear this, and you have it? They haven't really told us anything. Trust me. There's a bunch of there's a, there's, there's smoke everywhere talking about them trading Justin Fields and going out the price. Wow. All we've really been hearing is that they need to give him a lot of lot of weapons. So nobody's ever said the trade deal, but I wouldn't be surprised. Weapons and you only have one pick, what do you do? 
You trade away that one thing you have for a couple weapons, and then you get a much more capable throw of the ball. Wow. That is a good that's that's good to hear. I that actually makes me happy. It means that the Bears are uh, no, no, no. are trying no, no, no. things. I just want I just I just put it out there. It, 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 it might be a big fire brewing and you didn't see it coming, but Warren Sapp told you first. <laughs> oh my god. That is uh again, you're gonna hear a ton of rumors. You're gonna hear a ton of trade packages. I that, I think CBS Sports has written about four different trades, right? And and uh and the uh, the king's ransom the bears are getting is uh, you know leaves you delirious i uh, i don't know that i buy that at all frankly um uh, zach i'll be very interested to see what they do but i think they're building around the quarterback i don't think they're getting rid of him i i've tried to look at this in a, a variety of different ways and without getting into the whole oh you're justin fields hater if you express concern yeah. about his ability to be able to quickly process and 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 become a better passer. I mean, the first thing that you heard from Ryan Poles in the postseason news conference, while while he praised Justin Fields, right. he mentioned that he has to improve as a passer. And I I truly believe that if Bryce Young had anywhere close to the kind of physical size that Justin Fields has, he would be by far and away the number one pick, and I, I think the Bears would grab him and they trade Justin Fields. But we don't know what Bryce Young is in terms yeah. of size just yet. You won't know until the combine. So that's why all the rumors that you hear right now, until there's an official size and weight, and apparently Bryce Young has been spending a lot of time trying to get the weight up but yes. he's he's got a slight build, and he's not a tall guy. He'll be lucky if he's, what, 5'10"? He's not going to be 6 feet. So I, I think that's a concern. And then you, you have to ask yourself, can, can this guy, because most of the short quarterbacks or shorter quarterbacks are guys that are, are stat. Like Russell Wilson is – is is a big guy. He's a muscular guy. He can right. take shots. You know, same thing with with Kyler Murray. And Drew Brees was an outlier. And if you could guarantee me that Bryce Young can stay in the league as long as Drew Brees, then yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to have him as the quarterback over Justin Fields because ultimately I think you win with a guy who's able to sling it. And while Justin Fields throws a beautiful deep ball, I, I think for him to be successful as a quarterback, you need to, and you said it earlier, Molly, you need to be able to build a team around him that Philadelphia has built around Jalen Hurts. The difference is Jalen Hurts is a better processor of defenses than Justin Fields has been. And I don't know if that's because Jalen Hurts is a coach's kid and has been doing that all his life, but clearly that's been an issue for Fields at this level. It wasn't at Ohio State because it was built very similarly to the way the Eagles have built their team around Jalen Hurts. But I don't know. There's no guarantee even if you surround him with all this great talent, which is going to be tough to get, Given that the Bears don't have the picks that we're talking about, and they may, and, and if this quarterback draft isn't what people say, it's going to be very difficult for the Bears to get the kind of haul that people think for trading that number one overall pick. I don't think it's a guarantee that in the next two off seasons the Bears are able to totally switch this thing around the way the fan base thinks when they were rooting for this team to lose every game last season. Let's try Mike. Mike's on the south side. Hey, Mike. Hey, hey guys! Now I I I want I want to know what everybody thinks. With Zach and you, you Molly, what when you lose a game like the Bulls lost last night, yeah. and last year they were and last year they were zero and fifty or something against all the best teams in the league. So the problem with the Bulls is, is not personal. The problem with the Bulls is Billy Donovan. It's time to move on. Tell me what you think. Yeah, well, thanks, Mike. They just gave him a contract extension. I don't think it, they, I don't think they believe it's time to move on. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Billy's not going anywhere, right? I, I think if you're going to say fire Billy, give me a reason that you think 
a new give me the reasons that you think they're not playing well because of him right. what what is he doing wrong and then give me an idea of what a new coach can come in here is he is he going to be able to create three point shooting that doesn't exist is he going to be able to fix the defensive liabilities of the players that they put on the floor i i, I don't think it's a coaching issue i just think it's it's a poorly constructed team and and that's the issue i i think they thought that they could overcome what what they couldn't do when they brought in Vooch, but unfortunately, Vooch has not been the kind of player they thought when they mortgaged the future to get him. I I, I think it does hurt him that Zach Le, that Zach Levine coming off the injury hasn't consistently been the player that they thought he was going to be. I, I think not having Lonzo Ball is an issue, but ultimately, none of that changes the fact that they don't have perimeter shooting. And how do you consistently win in the NBA without perimeter shooting? How do you do it? Let's get to Willie. Willie is on the north side. Hey, Willie. How you gentlemen doing today? Good. good. Hey, I've, I've been listening a lot since these playoffs started. I listen a lot, as you know. And not just to you guys. A whole bunch of places. It seems to me that Justin Hurts is not getting any respect whatsoever. It's like he's the fourth quarterback in these playoffs. We hear a oh, lot no. about Purdy. Yeah. But it, it seems like nobody's talking about he can really win this thing. Nobody's yeah, talking no, about I, how I, dynamic I disagree, he is. Will, I, I disagree, Willie. I, I, that's all we've been talking about. I, that's why I picked them to get to the Super Bowl before the season started. That kid is a winner. And not only is he a winner, he's a guy that's going to break his rear end to improve himself. He gets better every year. And he's going to continue to do that. I think he is a hell of a quarterback. I, I I got nothing but respect for him. I think that the quarterback matchup in Kansas City, Cincinnati, is probably distracting people. But, no, I've never heard anyone badmouth Jalen Hurts. I think if Jalen Hurts is healthy and he is playing with a shoulder, that he is, he's, he's going to – dominate this game and they're going to win the game so I I don't agree with you I think that people understand how good he's been and we've talked about him as an MVP yeah I could not disagree more with that call I mean keep in mind he he would have been the MVP hands down had he not gotten injured and and I think Philadelphia still favored to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl even though he's not 100 percent Okay, great stuff. We're going to bring in our guy, Brad Biggs, the football man from the Chicago Tribune. We can talk about these things with him. It's Mully and Haw on the score.